So on the show today, we're going to be looking at rabbits and hares. Uh, are rabbits and hares a conservationist's nightmare? Um, we're going to be looking at rabbits and hares. We're going to be looking also at uh, controversial new blood pressure guidelines um, that have been uh, produced and proposed in the United States of America. And we'll look at the impact and why that is uh, controversial. Uh, we're going to look also at how humans, human activity, is helping the invasion of tiger mosquitoes in an island in the Mediterranean. Um, we are also going to look at calls to decriminalise abortion in the United Kingdom. Also um, on the show today, hummingbirds, exposure to pesticides. We're used to hearing about um, the effects of pesticides on bees, um, but a new study shows the likely impact on hummingbirds. Throughout history, humans have deliberately transported rabbits and hares uh, around the world. So they now occupy every continent with the exception of Antarctica. But our bunnies are not always lovable, at least not from a conservationist viewpoint. They can be a pest, creating economic and ecological mayhem. A new review uh, of invasive rabbits and hares in the journal Mammal Review uh, examines studies on the 12 uh, leopard species, leopards are uh, the rabbits and hares, that have been introduced by humans to areas beyond their native ranges. And um, the article highlights the effects on the ecosystem um, at different levels. One thing is certain about rabbits, rabbits breed like rabbits, and that means fast. Most leopards have multiple litters per year, with litter sizes varying from 1 to 11 individuals, and each female produces between 10 and 45 young per year. This rapid breeding makes them resilient to predation, and it enables them to adapt rapidly to environmental change. They can also rapidly colonise a range of environments. So measures to eradicate invasive leopard species usually have ended in failure. Their impact on the ecosystem is deep and far-reaching. They literally dig in. Rabbits and hares can affect their surroundings by chemically and physically changing their environment and landscape and profoundly affecting soil nutrient availability. The authors of the review note that leopards can provide food resources to predators. Uh, they modify nutrient availability and soil structure. They compete with native herbivores, consume crops and have other major impacts, all of which affect the other native species. In their native ranges, rabbits and hares are widely known to benefit plant communities, the richness, the composition and the succession. But in exotic locations, their effects can be detrimental. In their native range, leopards commonly compete with several other mammal species, whilst in their exotic locations, they put pressure on native herbivores. 
the native species have little time to adapt to the changes made by the invasive rabbits and hares. For all these reasons, the authors suggest that conservation biologists should carefully consider the effects of leporids when planning management strategies that include these species. We now turn to an invasion of a different species, uh, mosquitoes. Since 2012, Mallorca Island off the coast of Spain has experienced rapid colonisation by the Asian tiger mosquito. This was not anticipated because the natural climatic conditions on the island were not considered optimal for the species. So what has been encouraging their colonisation of the island? The answer, it seems, is humans. The Asian tiger mosquito is a highly invasive species and a vector of multiple pathogens, including the various viruses such as uh, dengue and Zika. A new medical and veterinary entomology study that evaluated the relationship between the mosquito's presence and habitat variables at a small scale provides important information for planning effective prevention and control campaigns. Mallorca is a highly populated island and a major tourist destination and more than 6% of the island's surface has been urbanised. When investigators examined mosquito populations on Mallorca Island they found that tiger mosquitoes um, were negatively associated with altitude. This is probably due to greater human presence at low altitudes near the coast. Moreover, the species' presence was mainly associated with the presence of freshwater surfaces, swimming pools and things like that, due to nearby gardens, plants and other freshwater sources. The authors of the new study say that although chlorine or salty water in swimming pools um, do not present suitable habitats for the tiger mosquito, the positive association with this variable is likely to be attributable to the gardens associated with these features. So it seems then that um, human activity is producing the ideal habitat uh, for the mosquito. And now to hummingbirds. Many people responded to the campaigns to stop the use of pesticides um, that have been killing bees. But bees are not the only animals affected. Hummingbirds are noted as a species of conservation concern by partners in flight and their populations are estimated to have declined by 60% over the last 50 years. Now, new research reveals that hummingbirds, as well as bumblebees and others, are being exposed to neonicotinoid and other pesticides through roots that are widespread and complex. These findings are published in a paper in Environmental Toxicology and Chemistry this month. To measure exposure to pesticides in these avian pollinators, investigators made novel use of 
chlorophyll fluid and faecal pellets from hummingbirds living near blueberry fields in British Columbia. They also collected bumblebees native to Canada and their pollen, and blueberry leaves and flowers uh, from within conventionally sprayed and organic blueberry farms. The researchers detected pesticides and related compounds in cloacal fluid and faecal pellets of hummingbirds, revealing for the first time that hummingbirds are exposed to and accumulate pesticide exposures of multiple types. In addition, bumblebees, their pollen and blueberry flowers contained pesticides, with the highest concentration of the insecticide in pollen from organic farms. The lethal and sublethal effects of neonicotinoids and other pesticides to bee species have been widely researched and documented. This is the first study to demonstrate the exposure of hummingbirds to these pesticides. As the lead author, Dr Christine Bishop, of Environment and Climate Change Canada says hummingbirds and bumblebees are important pollinators of wild and agricultural plants and they survive each day on a razor's edge due to their high energy needs. She goes on to say that pesticide exposure in these animals may have impacts on their health and the ecosystem services they provide to humans and to wildlife. In an editorial in the journal, um, the British Medical Journal, published um, last week, the editor-in-chief of um, the BMJ Sexual and Reproductive Health, Sandy Goldbeck Wood, on behalf of the editorial board, um, called on uh, Prime Minister Theresa May to decriminalise abortion in the United Kingdom. This follows the recent decision to liberalise abortion law in the Republic of Ireland uh, and in the Isle of Man, following the referendum in the Republic of Ireland. The United Kingdom 1967 Abortion Act was introduced to provide a legal defence against the criminal law, which was passed way back in 1861. Uh, that was the Offences Against the Person Act, and it remains on the statute book. The women of Northern Ireland are the most vulnerable to this 150-year-old anachronistic piece of Victorian criminal law because under the provisions uh, of the law, um, it allows for no defence in Northern Ireland, even in cases of rape or fatal fetal abnormalities. As a result, women who have an abortion in Northern Ireland still face a maximum sentence of life imprisonment. The United Kingdom has argued that this is a matter for the devolved Northern Ireland Assembly, but currently these powers are being exercised from Westminster whilst the Assembly is suspended. It is time that access to termination under the law uh, is made uniform for all people in the United Kingdom. Uh, 
Four key arguments are presented. First, whether or not it is legal, abortion is widespread. Women are accessing medical abortion online despite the risks of prosecution. Secondly, contrary to original concerns, decriminalisation does not increase abortion rates. Thirdly, criminalisation impedes safety. They argue that the United Kingdom is out of step with the rest of Europe. Perhaps the key argument the editorial presents is that the law obstructs best clinical practice and undermines reflective decision-making across the whole of the United Kingdom and is no longer appropriate. Instead, they suggest that future UK law could support conscientious reflection in abortion cases uh, more effectively by guaranteeing women access to the resources they need to make the right ethical and practical choices for them, which are theirs to make and theirs to live with. Why doesn't the Prime Minister take action on this then? Um, the problem is that Theresa May does not have a parliamentary majority um, and she relies on support uh, from the Democratic and Unionist Party, DUP, in the House of Commons to get legislation through and they have threatened consequences if Mrs May were to offer her party a free vote on the matter. So uh, this is so in a sense uh, Mrs May the prime minister is a prisoner of the fact that she has not got a parliamentary majority. She's a prisoner uh, of the democratic and unionist party. In spite of that the authors of the editorial um, urge her to be courageous. And finally when should high blood pressure be regarded as hypertension? When should we be looking at some kind of medication? The American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association think the current thresholds are too high and they have released new guidelines recommending uh, that hypertension uh, be diagnosed with lower blood pressure values. Um, and uh, this would mean that many millions more people would be diagnosed with hypertension and uh, would be eligible for treatment. Um, a new study uh, published in the British Medical Journal last week showed that adopting the new guidelines would dramatically increase the number of people labelled as having uh, the condition to being hypertensive and being recommended for drug treatment. Millions more would be classified as having hypertension. The findings show that if the guidelines were introduced in the United States and, for example, in China, more than half the majority of those aged between 45 and 75 years in both those countries would be considered hypertensive. So let's put that in perspective. It would mean that the majority of people in that age range would be hypertensive. Now that is a lot of people and it begs the question of what normal pressures um, should be. The impact of these new guidelines for healthcare would be huge. 
So not everybody is happy with the proposed new guidelines. And indeed, the, um, uh, the American Academy of uh, Family Physicians, for example, says that they would not be adopting the new guidelines. They say the guidelines should be informed by an independent systematic review of the evidence, an assessment of the benefits and harms, and should follow a sound transparent methodology with limited potential for financial and intellectual bias. So, we watch that space. Thank you for listening to The Thin End, uh, and um, you can find more uh, of these stories on The Thin End magazine uh, at www.thinend.today.